Today I have uh, Kirsty Wells, aka K Wells Tattoo, talking with me. Thank you for coming. Thanks for having me. Uh, we're going to be talking about love, intention, attraction, and desire. And before we get started, we're just going to kind of take climate of how we're feeling in this global pandemic. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I know that I've spent most of the morning listening to like Afro jazz, just trying to feel good and positive, <laughs> at peace with my mind. As uh, there's a lot of production demons going on right now with my ever going push to produce and keep busy and make money when mm-hmm. in reality that's not really a thing that can happen right now. Yeah. So where are you at? Uh, definitely somewhere similar. <laughs> I think emotionally kind of somewhere in a void of depressed, optimistic, motivated, bored, thankful, angry, and kind of a general feeling of overwhelm with everything. And uh, also in a similar boat of trying to trying to keep myself busy, but not trying to make myself overproduce in times of stress and trauma. So how is this uh, global pandemic affecting you positively and negatively? Like, I don't want this just to be a, a, a negative, negative thing. thing. Like, are you getting any self-growth or... I don't know, any epiphanies have come to you in this moment where we have to take a step back from our normal rush and routine and really, I don't know, prioritize what is important in our life? How is that going for you? Um, I think I think it's affecting me negatively the same way it's affecting everyone negatively. Um, you know, I, I own a ta- tattoo shop with a very dear friend of mine, Dan Bushnell, shout out, and... Um, and we've had to close and, and that place is our sanctuary and it's a sanctuary for a lot of people. And uh, I love tattooing. It's the thing that brings me the most joy, I think, in the whole world. And it's hard not to be able to do the thing that you love more than anything on the regular or at all for that matter. So, you know, it's been hard that way. It's been hard financially on a on a completely positive level it's like i said it's made me reevaluate a lot of the relationships that i have formed which ones are toxic which ones are really healthy and uh looking to to strengthen and and kind of even forge the ones that are good by reaching out to people and having conversations and also having really honest conversations about, you know, how are you doing? It's not just the typical, oh, you know, getting by type of stuff. It's more, no, really, how are you doing? Because I want to make sure that the people I care about have a place to talk to so they don't feel as alone as, as the circumstances make them. Um, so I think, yeah, forming better bonds with people that I care about learning to be honest with where I'm at. And also, uh, I love, like I said, I love tattooing. That being said, I'm also a workaholic. So oftentimes in times of crisis, be it personal or otherwise, uh, I have a tendency to just pour myself into my work and not think about what I'm doing or how it's affecting me or what, what, what my emotions are or where they're at. And now I can't do that. So I, I've had to, Pardon me. I've had to get 
pretty honest with myself about where I'm at. And when a person does that, it also allows the people around them to start doing the same. So I think big positive out of this is that we get to be more honest with each other um, if we take the time to make that a capability. Um, so I have a lot of a lot of gratefulness for the people in my life. I have a safe roof over my head, uh, and I have the support of the community that I've built around me as well. So I try to channel that gratitude into acts of paying it forward when I can, or into creative projects so that there's more positive balance than there is negative. The reason I brought you is because attraction can mean a lot of things. So platonic intimacy for me is really common. Um, I like when people are able to be vulnerable and express themselves and for me to feel a connection with that um, and also reciprocate. That's most important. Uh, that carries forward with romantic love as well but I definitely feel like we are platonically intimate definitely yes um, I also think that intention is really important and I feel that you're intentional in like everything that you do there's always a reason you're not just out there doing whatever for whatever reason and I really like that you take a take a moment before you put yourself out there or take a moment and think about the words to use, or maybe not even speak if you don't know. Yeah. I appreciate that. Because sometimes people who speak all the time should not. Often they know the least. Yes. <laughs> to put it real, real frank. Yeah, yeah I definitely think that uh, I would agree with everything you just said. <laughs> and um, I don't like to do things willy-nilly. <laughs> I certainly don't like that at all. I'd rather just do nothing. It causes me great anxiety. Yeah, no. Sometimes it's okay to do nothing or say nothing. And I'm not saying don't be spontaneous. No, not at all. That's not what that means. No, but just be self-aware. Yeah. I guess. And you're very self-aware, and I enjoy that. And I knew that from the moment that we were in the room together. And honestly, as I get to know you and know like that we lived in the same city for so long and didn't know each Crazy. other growing up. And also we're not that far apart in age. It's no. like a year. And that's it. it. Makes me angry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad you're here now. Yeah, yeah. me too. <laughs> um, I guess before we get into the body of the content, I wanted to talk to you just about some creative projects that you have on the go. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that you want to speak to? Um, Something well, that's inspiring you? Inspiring me? Uh, inspiring me right now, I think, is um, Molotov and Bricks, which is the tattoo shop that I co-own with my buddies Dan Bushnell and his wife Sarah Gallagher. And um, they're amazing. They're so supportive. They started this shop eight years ago, and this place is such a safe haven, both creatively and emotionally, for anyone, I think, that steps into it. And uh, definitely definitely shamelessly plugging the hell out of that place because we do like you said we do a lot for the community we do lots of activism um and we just provide i think a safe space in general for people who are willing to tolerate our goofy shenanigans <laughs> and and we appreciate everyone that comes through those doors and in relation to tattooing as well i'm organizing 
or have been trying to organize, thanks COVID, uh, the first ever Northern Canadian tattoo festival. So it's going to be the first tattoo festival in all of Canada's Northern Territories. Uh, there's going to be up to 25 international artists. It was planned for this summer. We've moved it to next summer because of the circumstances. And uh, lots of people are still really excited about it. I know I am. And even though it's a bummer that we don't get to have it this summer, it just gives us a whole extra year to make it bigger and badder and better than we had ever imagined. So now that I'm kind of over the sadness of having to move that or postpone it until next year, I've, I feel really excited to start getting back at it and, and making it super awesome, cool, fun times. Yeah. <laughs> I think those are the, the big things I'm working on right now. So I guess I'd like to talk about how we met, why we're connected, and not just because you tattoo me, <laughs> but because you're a dear friend as well. And, you're a uh, dear friend. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so I think the first couple times we met were either be- because you were eating in the restaurant that I was serving you, mm-hmm. um, and just from being Dan Bushnell's client as well. Mm-hmm. So when you moved here, I was really excited to meet another tattoo artist that was coming to work in the shop because I yeah. spent so much time there anyways. Um, I absolutely love your shop. Mm-hmm. I love what you and Dan have done there. Um, the energy and just it's so accepting. If you haven't been to Molotov and Bricks, please go when they reopen. Show some love and they do a lot for our community and they deserve some some love. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I can exactly remember how we met, but uh, yeah, I think it was definitely through the tattoo shop or mutual friends and parties um, or at the restaurant that you were working at at the time. Um, it was very shortly after I moved back to Canada. Uh, and then eventually I started tattooing you shortly thereafter and we hung out more and more and now we're super great friends. Super friend time. <laughs> and... Uh, mind-blowing it's like so many parallels that we support each other through without without it feeling like really heavy work because we really get each other and I feel like there's a lot of of give and take in our friendship and um, I mean no relationship is a level 50 50 at any time but I feel like the effort that I put into our friendship and the energy that I put into a friendship uh, our friendship specifically is is hundred percent reciprocated. Um, so I'm especially I especially right now. I'm so 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 grateful for our friendship. Me too. Yeah. Air hug. Like. Air hug. <laughs> Social distance hug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I give a bit of background about your experience that brings you here, and why do you think I asked you to speak on love and desire? Well, that's a huge parallel in our life right now. (laughs) Um, Recently going through a breakup on my end and, um, and you and I are, I think, similar types of 
personalities, especially when it comes to relationships, even if we're not, you know, the same, uh, the same, what are the words I'm looking for? Uh, we don't sexually identify the same. We don't, uh, have the same types of relationships, but the way that we put ourselves into a relationship, be it romantic or be it, uh, platonic is super similar in that we're both extremely honest and upfront with how we're feeling and we're pretty emotionally intelligent and we're good at navigating emotional situations like holding space for people while also having feelings positive or negative um i think we have a lot of the same attitudes towards things and and also similar goals for ourselves uh both or all personally spiritually professionally romantically and uh and a general similar outlook on life so I think that's why I'm here. <laughs> that's why you're here. That's why, that's why I'm here. <laughs> so during these isolation times, I've really been trying to understand attachments that I've created with people, attachments that I've fabricated, fell into, or situations where people have dug their claws into me, Mm -hmm. so to say. Mm -hmm. So I'm really evaluating why those relationships um, happen. Are they equitable? And what are my intentions? And what are their intentions? And I'm finding out that they're... It's very varied. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And sometimes uh, it's kind of ugly. Yeah. And I wasn't expecting that. Brutal, right? Mm -hmm. Brutal. So kind of moving forward on that note, as you're self-reflecting and having a lot of introspective thoughts, um, questions about sexuality have been arising Mm -hmm. in a lot of conversations that I've been having with people. Um, Having that moment, that break to really take a look at what what really makes them tick. Um, How open are you with uh, your sexuality and your experience with that? Mm-hmm. Um, well, even before this pandemic started really shit in the bed, um, <laughs> I had been not even coming to terms because that sounds like a lot of active work or it sounds really like full of hardship, but I've recently discovered is maybe the word that, uh, there is a word that identifies how I, how I am sexually. And I think I identify as, as pansexual. Um, I definitely, it's definitely a new label for me, but it's one that feels comfortable right now. And could you explain what yeah. pansexual is so yeah. that so people understand? My understanding of pansexual is that uh, you don't really tend to be sexually attracted to a specific gender, but that you are more attracted to a person instead of their gender and there's lots there's tons of information on the internet about um, what's bisexual and what's pansexual and how are they different and some people say there is no difference and some people say there are differences for me what I've read and and how I feel about things is that uh, I'm definitely not generally attracted to just anyone like not not all men who look the same way like in you don't have a type. type. I don't have a type. I, I tend to fall in love with or be sexually attracted to a person for who they are, um, regardless of what their size, stature, 
uh, employment status, gender, also sometimes sexual identity is. Uh, I, I tend to be attracted to a specific person instead of a specific type of person or a gender. And from what I understand, that that falls under the category of pansexual. So I guess that's where I'm at. And um, I've, I've told a few close folks about it, but I haven't done like a Facebook blast or been like, mercy, hallelujah, I'm a pansexual, it's a revelation. Um, if someone asked me about it, I would say that I'm pan. If someone asked me who I had a crush on right now, I would tell them also. Um, so in the past, I thought I might even be like asexual or demisexual because uh, asexual means you're not sexually attracted to anyone. And there have been like periods of time in my life where I wasn't, you know, at all. And uh, there have also been times where I thought I was demisexual, which, which means you, you need to feel like a love connection before you can feel a sexual attraction to someone. At least like those are the definitions that I understand of those words. But then I just figured out that I just didn't want to have sex with or be intimate with people I wasn't actually sexually attracted to or who were, were assholes. <laughs> so then makes I, sense. Yeah, yeah, definitely makes sense. So I started thinking about like, who am I attracted to? And then it was like, oh, okay. Um, the driver ignition wasn't there, wasn't even on for assholes or, or for those people. And uh, when I wasn't around assholes anymore or, or people who who brought me kind of down or, or who I felt I couldn't be myself with, uh, I would leave. And then immediately my, um, like my sexuality, my drive, my libido, libido would come back to me. So obviously not demisexual or asexual. Yeah. Do you recall the first time it kind of dawned on you? Was it like an aha moment? Um, yeah, actually I, I, watched um <laughs> i watched the netflix series uh sexual education and there is a young girl or a young person i should say sorry i don't know their gender identity um who identified as pansexual and she had or they had this big aha moment uh they had a big aha moment and i thought that totally makes sense i feel the same way <laughs> I feel exactly that. when that. they fell in love with the, the girl with the tentacles? The, the, a, the alien chick? Yes. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. exactly that. <laughs> and I just went, like, my head literally tilted physically to the side, and I just thought, like, oh, I think I'm that. And then I started doing a bunch of research, and turns out that, that checks out on my end. Um, so also, like, kind of goes to show that representation is important, I guess. I'm a pretty self-aware person who knows a lot of things don't know everything by any means but if it hadn't been for that kind of representation maybe I'd still be asking more questions than I have answers to right now do you have an example of someone specifically that stands out that has taught you something you'd like to pass on to the listeners about sexuality or um, possible sexuality and acceptance of your own preferences is there someone who really stands out and was helpful for you um, I think there's a few people who really helped me with that, but I would like to preface everything by saying that I think I'm pretty lucky in that I've always been surrounded by folks who have been pretty open about and accepting about all forms of sexuality, even if they don't know what that looks like. Um, like, for example, my parents have always been uh, loving of my sister and I, no matter who 
we were with or where we were at in our lives. So uh, super, super privileged to have people who support me no matter what in my life. Um, and I feel like I could open up to anyone that was close to me. And that's awesome. Lots of people don't have that. So it definitely gave me a sense of security in who I was and, and who I will continue to develop into right now. I think uh, in the near past and present, I would say there's probably about four people in particular that have helped me feel more and more confident within that label of pansexual. And right now, I think it's probably you for sure. We've talked a lot about it. And um, my friend Sid, who I talk to very openly with it, uh, or about it, pardon me, in regards to like sex and sexual experiences and sexual preferences or also romantic desire or um, like thoughtiness or thirstiness or whatever. Uh, so definitely talk lots with her or my friend Fiona, who taught me to just have fun being my energetic, goofy, imperfect self, no matter what, and um, to pay attention to how I felt around other people about that. And she came into my life at a time where I didn't have a lot of fun in my life and I didn't trust myself to have fun. So I think that's also a huge thing is is to just learn to somehow have fun in your own skin and with your own sexuality. And then on top of that, my friend Dan, who I own Molotov and Bricks with, is a fucking powerhouse of support no matter what mood I'm in sexually or otherwise. And uh, who is... Uh, who is supportive of me no matter who I have a crush on or who I'm in love with or who I'm sleeping with. So he doesn't even bat an eye when I say something that I've been struggling with or need to figure out. He's just like, yep, that's a thing. Let's talk about it. And so maybe, maybe those four people, um, are the ones who I feel are super supportive of me right now. And four people's a lot of people. So I feel like I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> you are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can't explain how fucking essential it is for people to have that support group in their life. Um, growing up and kind of being a black sheep of my family and constantly moving and not having really grounded roots anywhere or really close friends, um, I find like for the first time in my life I do have a few of those people. and. Uh, it's so essential in figuring out who you are, what you want, and how you want to be and live your life. And I just want to stress that to people. If you have people in your life and you're listening to this and you're like, wow, I was a judgmental asshole or I said something that I didn't mean or maybe you don't agree with someone that you love and the way that they're living their life, can you just put that aside, especially during all of this and reach out to them and tell them that you love them no matter what. Yeah. It's really important. Definitely. When you're intolerant to someone you love, it's absolutely devastating to that person. Devastating is the perfect word for that. It creates an unsafe space for you to exist. And who the fuck wants to re a, rela a relationship existing of fear and shame? No one. No one wants that. And no one should have to deal with that. And that's how... That's how we start falling into a pattern again of like disregarding who we are or who we have the potential to be and uh, and disregard honesty with ourselves. Also, if you're listening to this and you have been cut off from people and don't understand why 
Never really put two and two together why you don't talk to that friend anymore. This might apply to you. Maybe take stock of what you've done or what you've said or maybe how you, maybe you weren't supportive to that person when they needed you the most and maybe you were just unaware. Yeah. You could also just ask that person. Like just reach out and ask and be like, hey, I notice we're not talking anymore or there's been animosity or I feel stressed about a thing. Like use your words... And also pay attention to the words that you use because words, we literally have words because every word has a meaning. And when we string them together, they form like a cohesive thought. So, well, in theory, (laughs) I mean, they should. If you're using words the way that words are supposed to be used (laughs) in a language, then, then you can use them to communicate. It's also fair to say like, hey, I'm feeling stressed out and confused and I don't know why. It's totally okay to say the words, I don't know. It doesn't matter if it's in a conversation about politics or a conversation about emotions or who did or didn't do what or um, in any conversation, really. It's okay to say, I don't know. That's, we need, to, we need to say that more. We need to lean into that more. It's okay to not know everything. No one expects you to, except capitalist patriarchy society. But... Um, <laughs> No one really expects you to. So say it if you don't know. And if anyone shames you for not knowing something, then like, bye. (laughs) We've now reached the boundary segment of this podcast. (laughs) So what do those look like for you? Are you like constructing them still trying to figure out what your boundaries are with people or a specific type of person or personality that is hard to say I think again because like every person is different and every every situational context is different and our relationships to each other are also different but um I think those things are always changing and I think uh we just talked about you know sexuality I think sexual boundaries can always change depending on the partner and the context I think boundaries in general are a thing that I can struggle with especially on the daily because uh and this is a good part of myself I think it's it's my favorite part of myself is that I feel really deeply and really hard when I feel things I'm a really all or nothing person and um I either feel really strongly about something or often it just kind of gets brushed off because I'm not feeling it at all um so I think I feel because I feel so deeply and because I'm driven to make especially people happy and comfortable and because I'm so empathetic, I, I recently learned about um, a word called as a lizard brain or a reactionary response to trauma and being triggered in that trauma um, and totally identified with that as well, which uh, fawning is a term used to describe a triggered person kind of petting or fixing um, or adjusting the triggering situation so that it feels calm and stable and secure again, uh, whether or not that's to their benefit or detriment, uh, the triggered persons. Um, So it also disregards the triggered person's own safety. Um, That can be be physical, that can also be emotional or psychological. Um, So it's definitely something that I've uh, realized is a pattern with me. And so working with those, those specs, for lack of a better term right now, um, has definitely caused me to look through 
through my black book of relationships essentially and go like who have I been doing this with who doesn't make me have this kind of response as a general rule who does and what can I do to step away from this fawning response this petting response this let me set my own needs aside and take care of you um so those those situations have been uh reflected upon for sure lately it's really difficult too because normally when you're in a fawning situation it's because you really you care about that person and you want to put them up on that pedestal you want to help them you want to see them succeed at your own detriment yeah well i think another aspect of that too and a thing that makes it so hard is because when we are triggered when something triggers a traumatic response within us that's nervous system that's not like i'm feeling this that is your the your cerebral cortex your lizard brain going we need to sort this out we got fight we got flight we got freeze or we got fawn what's the safest one right now like keep yourself safe that's what your trigger brain does right so there's that and on top of that uh if you're a person with mental illness um which i am i have chronic depression and and some ptsd that i've worked through my entire life i feel pretty stable about it but in triggering situations um often you know that that gnarly voice in the back of your head that says like you're worthless obviously this person in front of you who's triggering you uh is doing so because you deserve it you know you deserve to not have this thing that's making you happy or do this thing that's um you know not good for person x and so it's easy to fall into fawning because the the pattern for me goes i don't deserve this i'm not worth it so i definitely should try and make up for that by making this other person feel really good and proving that i am worth it so it's almost like a, a weird defensive situation as well, where I'm not only trying to smooth out the situation so it's safe, but also depression weirdness brain goes, I have to prove my self-worth and also simultaneously like not work on my own self-worth because I'm devoting all this other attention and affection to the person that I'm currently fawning. Um, so it's a whole it's a whole fucking web <laughs> of gross emotional codependency and uh it's a trauma response that is is not commonly talked about and is becoming more and more common commonly talked about so setting boundaries can feel really uncomfortable with that not just saying like for example hey sierra i'm not okay with this thing happening uh that you did But it's also uncomfortable for me because then I have to go within myself and be like, I feel uncomfortable because I feel self-hate or lack of self-worth. And I need to acknowledge that. And I need to sit with that and process it before I react to a situation that feels triggering. So it's about breaking that cycle, like cutting it up and slowing it down. Giving yourself space to process it as well. Yeah, that's the huge part is like to sit with that and be like, I am doing this because I am feeling insert emotion here. And, um, and we're not, we're not taught to do that on the regular. So it's a lot of work and it's really tiring. And, um, this is kind of a new concept for women as well. In general. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So, you know, and, and not 
to be that woman who's going to say that. But if you think about it, we've just always kind of been programmed, make it work at any cost. Yeah, set yourself aside. Yeah. Don't eat, feed the children. Yeah. Well, no, like I'm going to, I'm going to eat. Yeah. I'm going to nourish myself so that I can be it a better parent, a better wife, a better friend. Yeah. Because if I'm operating at half full, there's no way that I'm going to be helpful to anyone. And then that's when you get into asshole narcissistic behavior because people are not actually there for those that they love. Mm -hmm. They're just going through the motions or not actively listening, not hearing people cry for help and just doing whatever suits them in a really weird way because it doesn't actually suit them they're just doing what they're just used to it they're used to it yeah going through the motions Mm -hmm. and if you think about if everybody was just going through the motions like if everybody was driving to work and you know when you're driving and you forget that you're driving if everybody does that no wonder there is so much chaos yeah and if you think about people doing that in relationships We're actually being intimate with people. No wonder there's so much chaos and divorce and fucking murder. Yeah. Yeah. Or extreme, like, murder. Yeah. Carol Baskin's definitely. definitely (laughs) (laughs) Thought you weighed in on that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank God we got that out of the way. fuck person i like the term fuck boy because like fuck boy sounds like a it sounds like exactly what it is it sounds super immature it sounds really disregarding and kind of disrespectful also there's nothing wrong with like fucking a bunch of people if it's all consensual and awesome like have at her but this 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 is a label for a specific type type of of behavior yeah Exactly that. It's it's a label for behavior, and this behavior looks like not knowing what you want, but expecting someone else to fill in that gap for you, to figure it out for you. It's basically like little, little immature boy behavior, you know. And uh, we's grown ass women, <laughs> don't come, don't come for me with your your lack of self reflection. And expect me to do all the emotional labor for you. I think that's where it comes in. Is people who are fuckboys expect all the emotional labor to be done. So that they can just reap the rewards. And And they expect the most. But give the least. Give the least. Yeah. Definitely. And uh, you can fuck off with that. (laughs) As far as I'm concerned for the general population. Um, Do some introspection. Learn who you are. To circle back to that. But uh, what is intention, desire, and connection? And how do they differ? Um, to answer both, at the, both of those questions at the same time, I think intention is the energy that you bring to something. Um, and sometimes that can be stronger or more thought out than other times. And sometimes it, uh, it's super spontaneous. But it's, it's a choice, essentially. Intention is a choice. Um, desire is what you want from something... Or your drive to attain something. I think people get all of this mixed, mixed up. up with love. Yeah. 
whether they're trying to obtain a certain type of attention or behavior from another person that makes them feel good, mm -hmm. that's not love. Yeah. Um, whether their intentions are pure with a person, whether they actually want to be intimate with that person, or maybe they're just longing intimacy that moment. Yeah. What defines a fuckboy is when you just pop in and you take what you need, whether it's your desire, your intention, but you don't actually give back anything. In you, any way, yeah. You don't fill up the other person. You're, you're an energy vampire. Yeah, it's cherry picking. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, um, I think also to, to touch on the point of like, um, in setting intentions, there's also, you know, there are ways that are respectful to other people if you're just looking to like fuck someone like if you're dtf and that's it then you can literally say hey this is what i'm looking for what your that choice that you're making that's your intention yeah you just know? be honest with the choice that you're making yeah and start out maybe by being honest with yourself if you want to take baby steps like figure out what it is you want from someone and you're also allowed to not know totally again if you don't know say i don't know what my intention is. I don't know. I've just kind of found myself here. Take it easy. So something that I struggle with, and I'm sure that most of the people listening can also, you know, relate to is text-based relationships during this COVID-19 pandemic. Like bullshit. Um, I hate texting. I hate it. I hate it more than I hate talking on the phone. Um, this is also something that you I would I prefer have. an email. Yeah. <laughs> I would like, fucking prefer an email. Yeah. Don't come for me with your shitty short text messages or like the several texts in a row. Yeah. You know, like ping, 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 ping. And they're all one sentence. Just put it in a nice. Put it in one. Put it in one nice message. And like, if you can. Maybe go into depth with it a little bit more. I don't yeah. know. I don't like having to try and read between the lines. In fact, it's something that I've stopped practicing because I figure hopefully whoever is talking to me is a responsible goddamn adult and... I've just started asking people. Yeah. Awesome. What, what is that? Yeah, what does that mean? <laughs> What piece of advice, looking back, do you wish you could give yourself? I would say don't settle for shit. And I mean the word shit in, like, don't settle for anything. Don't settle for just anything. And also definitely don't settle for things and situations and people that make me feel like shit. Um, I would tell my younger self that you're awesome. And you're allowed to have emotions and you're allowed to be motivated and want to have fun and better yourself and pursue things that interest you. All of those things are allowed. And anyone, anyone who tries to be your partner while also uh, telling you that all of those things are wrong, you can, you can tell them to kick rocks is what I would tell my younger self. Yeah. Did you have someone in your life who said that to you or do you wish... That you 
had someone? Um, I think I had a few people, but they were, at least like nothing comes in my brain right now mm-hmm. that says like, there was definitely this one time, this one situation where one person said to me, don't do that or you deserve better or whatever. I think a lot of it, especially uh, when I was in my early and mid twenties, um, a lot of it was kind of said through the grapevine or like said in German, you say like through the flowers. So you present this kind of weird piece of information with a nice package. Um, and like I said, I have a hard time picking up on that or understanding what that is. I'm like, Ooh, flowers or Ooh, grapevine instead of, uh, what's that message? So I don't know that I had anyone who said those things to me, um, directly anyway. Um, but I wish that I had, I would have saved myself a lot of heartache and mental unwellness. And I think I would have taken better steps, better, better and also bigger steps with my career sooner on and had probably would have seen more, done more, feel more secure within myself because I would have more time practicing those types of things. Um, but that being said, like I've had those chances now and I have people in my life now who tell me those things and who I'm not afraid to be like, Hey, you, for example, Sierra, I can just go like, Hey homie, I need you to like, just tell me flat out. What do you think about this? And there have definitely been situations where you're like, I can see all of your opinions and feelings, but I think it's shit. And Mm -hmm. I'll be like, cool. I'm going to think about that. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you've done that for me many times, too. Yeah, we've done it for each other. Like, oh, well, this happens, and I really like it when they do this, and when they do that, and oh, it's really wonderful when they do this, but they did this thing, and you're like, shit. That's bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. That's a thumbs down. (laughs) Yeah. Angry button sound. I think everybody needs that. If you don't have that, email us. And we'll tell you. We'll do it. (laughs) Free service. Yeah. So on that note, I kind of want to talk about curating your circle. So having those people in your life, why is this so important to mental health and well-being? And how have you curated your circle? I know you've touched on that a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think um, to start with, toxic people are fucking draining and uh, and enable really unhealthy habits. Uh, I can't speak to everybody, but definitely in my experience, um, they have an enabled my unhealthy habits. Uh, you know, we talked about fawning. We talked about um, like uh, self unworthiness and uh, being around toxic people, definitely that is triggering for me. And that is the kind of response that it immediately starts to elicit within myself. Um, So uh, I think what happens when we indulge ourselves with toxic relationships, platonic or romantic, is that we indulge in enabling ourselves uh, in furthering those bad habits or continuing those bad habits. And um, the more positive people that we have in our lives and the less codependency also that we have in our lives, the easier it is to not enable those like those habits that, that enforce mental unwellness. Um, the more positive and strong people and strong relationships that you have in your life that are based out of a place of mutual respect and mutual giving and taking, um, and support like real honest support. Um, 
definitely give give more room for personal growth. And I mean, who doesn't want that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who does. I don't know. They're not my friends. <laughs> Are there any um, physical kind of effects of being around a toxic person that you've noticed? Because I've honestly looked at some of some relationships around me and have really racked my brain being like, how do they not see what this person is doing to them or what they're doing to this other person? And they just go along their life like it's happy and normal and they don't question anything. Mm -hmm. Like, are there kind of like physical things that happen to you when you're, that you've noticed so that maybe someone listening could like take a step back and be like, does that happen when I'm around this person? Does that affect me in those ways? <laughs> I think um, one of the things I've noticed the most is that if I feel like I'm around toxic people, I get really exhausted really quick. Like I just get physically tired. I get mentally tired. I have a hard time articulating or forming sentences or like actually putting my feelings and thoughts into words that come out of my mouth. And I'm usually pretty good at that. So as soon as that starts happening, then I kind of can click in and be like, why is this happening? Is this me? Am I tired? Am I hungry? Am I angry? Or is this person sitting across from me actually just like sucking me dry of energy right now? And, um, and I think, um, it's like your brain's reaction. Your brain's like, nope, shut it down is what my brain does. Like (laughs) X, X, stop, stop, stop. Um, so I definitely feel myself like physically and mentally shutting, actually shutting down like a computer. And, um, another thing that I've noticed is that, uh, another trauma response too is, is freezing. So just, uh, not doing anything, um, like not being able to, like I freeze up or, uh, especially in extreme situations, this isn't like coffee shop. This person's draining me by talking about her ex-husband type of stuff. This is me being in an extreme situation is like completely freezing up like a deer in headlights and not knowing how to process any of it. It's like the gears just don't turn and I can't get anything to go through my brain. Um, and so it just keeps piling up and piling up until eventually, I mean, in that, in that extreme situation, then it usually leads to crying. But, um, but yeah, I think those are the, the biggest ones for me is just kind of shutting down or trying to, again, trying to fawn someone into making the situation feel better. And as soon as I notice that I have to fawn over someone or fawn for someone um, over and over and over again and the situation doesn't change, then I recognize that that person is definitely maybe not a good person for me to have in my life. I think the most important thing is uh, to remember that you're not a bad person for wanting to be respected or desired or understood. And you're also not a bad person for setting boundaries to make sure that you're physically, mentally, and emotionally, and also in some cases financially safe. we're so bred to just take on other people's bullshit as our own and we don't have to. Um, so I think with all of that in mind, the advice that I would have left 
I will take from Buffy the Vampire Slayer in saying that the hardest thing to do in this world is to live in it. Um, and also to just be brave and live. Thank you, Buffy. Thanks, Buffy. She's my hero, by the way. She's my most favorite thing. sense of normal right now is incredibly privileged.